Welcome to the Thad Talk series on compassion. For this 10-week series, we have a variety of interviews lined up to challenge our perception on what compassion means in our lives today. I can't wait to introduce you to some wonderful people who have been an inspiration in my life, and they're going to share with us their wisdom on compassion when it comes to difficult topics and hard-to-have conversations. As humbly as I can say it, thank you for sharing your time with us, and may these unfolding conversations be an inspiration in your life. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Thad Talks, and I can't tell you how excited I am to introduce uh, every one of you to John Evans today. Um, Him and his wife are the founders of Bethesda Farms, and I was lucky enough to meet you, John, through um, a mutual friend, Char, just just for how funny the world works. I lived in Coopersville. Char was a neighbor. I tried to to buy her house. It didn't quite work out. She donated her horse to you, correct? Correct, yep. Her horse and tractor and pretty much everything else. Everything else. And um, one day I was talking to Char and she says, let's let's go see Lady. She's out at this farm and um, at Bethesda with a, and it's a daycare facility would you say for um adults with um yeah it's more of a day program it's a day day program yeah for vocational and other kind of uh, day skills yeah and these are these are for um adults who have um physical or mental um challenges most of them most of them have uh some have light physical disabilities but most of them are uh, mentally challenged higher capacity um so we're able to offer them certain experiences that um practice fine motor skills attention spans and things like that John, your story. So you go from a successful career in, in the film production industry and, and I'm sure, you know, financial independence and, and a lot of American excess to basically I'm going to struggle to operate a nonprofit and, and just serve people. How did, you, how did you go from one end to the extreme polar opposite? Yeah, um, one day at a time. It was, uh, it really wasn't. When I look back at it, I see some of the great handles that God put in place that was like, you know, okay, I, I believe this and that would help us get to the next one. But um, part of what we were walking into, and I'll just back up and share a little bit more of really where Bethesda came from. Um, Marsha and I used to work in, uh, or used to live in Jenison, and she worked at a place called Harbor House. Uh, she was there for four years, and then there were some things that were changing with us. Um, and she actually quit that job, but still volunteered a little bit with a couple of the folks. And some of those folks we noticed didn't have things to do on the weekends um, or their family just wasn't around on certain days. And so we just started inviting them and picking them up and bring them to the house, um, grilling out uh, just just what you would do when you invite friends over. And we just started to realize that this is bringing something out of me. I know I'm a creative, I'm a filmmaker. I like to communicate. I like to capture image, uh, to share. Uh, but this is the first time I was starting to feel, uh, an intimacy and relationship that had nothing to do with anything that the world would say we need to talk about. And so that was a very interesting experience for me. Um, and so that just led into Marsh and I wanting more of it. So we ended up, you know, the suburbs wasn't necessarily a place to offer more of an experience. So we bought a place 
a farm in Allendale and uh, really just started opening it up to residence homes. And uh, right off the bat, we were getting like 50 to 70 a week. And so we knew something was going on. And so we just kind of worked through it. Now, we purchased this while I was still um, with my company. I had founded that in 1998. And during these last several years, as a filmmaker, I was also, we were growing this. Uh, we didn't charge for it. We were able to afford it. Um, and we really felt this is what we needed to do. During that time, I was feeling a pull to spend a little more time there. So uh, we implemented flex hours at the office so that we could have, uh, we'd all have Fridays off. And then we would schedule Fridays here as one of our busier days so that uh, I could be a part of that. So that's that's how that started. And now here I am as a filmmaker, I'm facing what I believe is um, the purpose and my calling uh, with financial stability. We had silos that were um, well-stocked and uh, we were doing okay. I had no problem leaving the work I was doing um, because I truly had that experience that one of my favorite parts of being a filmmaker, especially working with documentaries, is getting to know people, getting to hear their story. Um, and I, I miss that, but in the same token, I'm called to spend a lot of time with people who are not distracted, like I shared earlier. And uh, our relationships can just be extremely satisfying because they learn about me as I learn about them. And it's just a, it's a good atmosphere. But anyways, the idea of leaving that, um, I really felt like I can still use that, uh, that desire to be in relationship. Marcia and I had to make a very conscious, deliberate decision that we were not going to let money stand in the way with what we knew God was doing. Not that money didn't play a part in it. Um, and not that the need's not there and not that we're willing to be risky, but we had to stop making that uh, any type of uh, a contingency or a side thought. Um, and that helped. It was hard because we had a lot of unlearning to do. We just had to get to the point to where we were less concerned with the money and more concerned with uh, responding. I wrestled so many ways with that, Thad, <laughs> um, truly, because... You know, I don't share this to get a slap on the back or being a financial money martyr, but um, we took a $100,000 pay cut um, when I left. Uh, we left, um, I left with my business partner. All I took was six months worth of, of living expenses. And then Marsha and I spent the next 18 months, 18 months uh, on our savings. And so we got down to the point to where um, we were very dependent on God. And we are, and we would not change a thing. Uh, we truly wouldn't. Um, you know what you wrote actually in your book? Oh, what if, what if when I lost everything, I actually lost nothing at all? You know, you can't experience that unless you've lost it all. And you see that, you know, money can mimic God's comfort. But, you know, it was just one of the biggest lessons we learned that it's, it's just a new way of life. Hmm. Well, so, so Marsha comes to you basically one day with, with this crazy idea. And, and, and over time you, you jump off and, and you decide to join. Um, and, and I really think getting back to that, to that point where we were just talking about, right. That, that notion of sometimes you need to lose everything to see what's, what's really important. But what I often try to explain to people is, it's just because I found more joy on the side of, you know, losing it all versus when I had it all. There's, 
there's this humility that that doesn't all of a sudden mean that life is is easy and perfect and everything you know it just falls you know from the right so what what are your big struggles how do you how do you keep motivated through through those hard days you know we go through the hard days the same we go through the good days i guess 24 hour chunks um and that's something it's an awesome lesson that we've learned um to not try to get ahead, not to run ahead, like like I was saying, uh, twenty four hour bites are really all we can handle, and so I guess that's it. The struggles uh, is me constantly, you know, if I find myself worrying or pursuing something that's that is truly beyond our twenty four hour mark, um, I have to learn how to surrender it for that day, and then you pick it up the next day. Well, in that presence, right? Because this just this blunt reality of, of when we are caught up on the outcomes and the expectations of how we want things to go and how we perceive things, how much that actually robs us away from any opportunity to have joy in the present moment yeah. now, because I, I've, I've met people and I've experienced it when you say, I want, you know, X, Y, and Z to go happen. And, Ninety-nine percent of the time, you know, it, it never goes goes to plan or the way we think it a plan. But even even those people that I've met, where that one percent that it did go exactly as they planned and they got it all, and then and then you get there and you're like, it still feels so empty, mm-hmm. right? And, and you're still so lost in something out there that that you're never here. Yeah, you know, when I was going through my divorce, it was a uh, I was enduring just one of the the twists, twists of the tornado and, uh, a neighbor, uh, came by and we were just kind of talking and he looked at me and says, you know, you're going to be happy again. Um, and I remember that hit me. I think, am I going to go through all this just to be happy? I mean, is that, is that, is, is that really what my goal is just to shake all this? You know, you're wearing it like wet clothes and let me get into some happy clothes. And I thought, no. And, you know, actually this is just some think of this now. It's like being in that moment. And thinking, okay, what's what's my responsibility in this uh, tragic turn of events? Um, so easy to point fingers, but I remember him saying "happy," and it felt like an allure to escape a journey that uh, ultimately I was able to gain some wisdom and perspective. I think that's a that's a hard that's a hard really to say that to admit that out loud is 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 not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you said to me, and I think this ties in so beautifully right here, you said to me that compassion is not so much something that you have, but more about who you are. And I keep thinking about that reality of the conversation with your neighbor where it's like, you know, compassion is not just this fleeting happiness that you that you shake off and then, you know, I'll be happy again someday, right? Uh, that That takes it away f- from the essence of who you are. Yeah, good word essence um just the the organic element to who we are i can't wait to share the story with you um i started feeling the swell of compassion um i didn't know how to use it but when i felt like the holy spirit was prompting me i was trying to be really obedient and just say okay i'll use it here i'll talk to this person or i'll pray with this person well i was having a conversation with uh, somebody i had just met um, well, this is the second time we met and, uh, it was more, uh, she was speaking about the training of animals and some of the stuff that we want to do here with, uh, with our program. And 
so as she's talking to me, I'm listening to her and the Lord is speaking to me and he, he asks me to ask her a question. And I, I'm just like, there's no way I can do that. I don't know her well enough. And, um, but I struggled with that, you know, the impression of what he wanted me to do while I'm listening to her kind of share what she does. And it was impressed upon me again. And then it was, uh, he had shared, don't let this moment pass. And so, and that was just so crystal clear and it's just like, okay, I'm going to say it <laughs> and we'll see what happens with it. Um, this lady finishes and she's smiling at me. I said, I need to just ask you straight out if you're an alcoholic. And she cried. And she reached out and she grabbed my arm. And she said, yeah. And she'd been struggling with it. And we had a conversation and, you know, that's my story. I'm an alcoholic recovered now. And that's a, um, but that's one of those moments where how absurd would it be for this woman who's sharing with me training techniques to have her finish her sentence and me just say, Hey, are you an alcoholic? And to know that that was the exact button that her aching soul needed to be pushed she was all of a sudden face to face with vulnerability and it was because the Lord did it through me that she felt safe to cry out. Wow. That's some supernatural stuff right there, dude. <laughs> you know, and that's not me. That's just, this is all just because we want it. You know, there's nothing special about us. There really isn't. All of this is happening in spite of us. I, I have never felt more unqualified to do something, but yet feel more gifted doing it. And that's a whole other type of unlearning. But yeah, so it's, um, you know, that idea of compassion being something that who we are, it's who we are because we have to respond to, to what he wants us to do. It's that seed that's in us. It's, it's who we are. You know, I, I think about this, Riyadh, and and I have lots of friends from all different walks of life and faith, and I've had my bouts and journeys with faith and you know my my beliefs and um, and I and I always wanted to be respectful of of people wherever they're at, whatever they believe, whatever you know religion they are. But this notion that I always want to share with people over and over again is just the imago dei. Right, that phrase, uh, the made in the made in the image of God, or made in the gift of divine love, and I just that just struck me there when you're talking. When I was like, you know, when I've sat with people and 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 you know, I say I I don't care if you don't believe in a God or what God you believe in, but this this reality that if you could see that you are made in the gift of divine love, when we mm -hmm. change our interactions to treat the people in our lives, our relationships, even the strangers yeah. to just be there and reflect yeah. back that presence of love and grace and humility. And I just think when people say, what does the world need? We don't need anything. We just need to shift our perception.
ever read any of the work by the Dalai Lama, and he talks, um, it was actually the, the Book of Joy, so it was Archbishop Desmond Tutu is talking about watching the people come through to the, greet the Dalai Lama, and he says that, you, you know, you're talking 30-second snippets with each person, and the Dalai Lama could laugh and smile with one person and then be in complete tears with the next, just, just utterly fully present with every person and I, and I think just about like the storms of life and how I long to be present even when things like just as I want to be just as present when when the storms of life are just rocking the boat mm-hmm. as, as I am when you know when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm you know crying because I'm laughing hysterically with 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 my daughter you know yeah you know what's cool about that that uh, that practice and that uh discipline of the Dalai Lama to be in that moment, to be so present. That's really what we're talking about, you know, here again, without mixing a a religion. um, It's just, that is a practice of being in a moment. The fact that he could be not inspired, but just in that moment to hear someone's pain and immediately identify with it because there's no other distraction or joy. Um, Mm -hmm. How crazy is that? Yeah. Um, that's yeah it's inspiring i wanted to to tie this back into a couple of other things that that you mentioned towards compassion um one of the things you said to me the other day was um some people think of compassion as wishing others to be free of suffering right like we're talking about with these storms of life Um, and, and this notion that sometimes suffering won't budge and the only freedom that can be found is in companionship and in relationship and and, and you, 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 relef- you reference this so beautifully to compassion is not, it's not pity. It's not fixing. Right. But it keeps mm-hmm. coming back to that, that presence. And I just, yeah, it, I wanted to give you kudos for that. I mean, that was just so beautifully <laughs> written. Oh <laughs> well, yeah. It draws us. It has to, I mean, because if it is that element inside you, um, in it, in itself, um, is looking for the suffering of others. So it draws you into the suffering of others. Um, and it's not of our own will. It's because yeah. of that gift. It's just that gift ignites. Somebody has a need. Um, and it's just like somebody else bringing somebody a glass of water. You know, it's uh, that is a provision of its own. The yeah. idea of having compassion, it, it is who we are. Um, you know, and it's, it's truly, I guess, not intended to change a circumstance. But it's more of a consideration of how to help carry a load, uh, either for a season or much longer. Um, you know, it doesn't bring a toolkit. It doesn't have to fix something. Um, it just brings a spirit of comfort that's, uh, I understand to be certainly authored, um, by God and, uh, played out in the Holy spirit with us just because we want it. We want to be able to use that compassion. It's, it's one of our best chances to encounter God, yeah, you know, and the divine and, and, and all of that. I, I think that's part of our opportunity for this life. You know what? That's, that's awesome. I would really love for you to share uh, the, the three, what I'm going to call the three do's and the three don'ts uh, of compassion. The three things really, I mean, they're not ironclad at all. It's just when I think about uh, the journey that Marsh and I are in, um, and let me just add this, the compassion and patience and gifts that he has prepared her with to see those being used and open up. That is really one of my, um, inspirations every day. 
And, and I mean that every day. Uh, it's just amazing to see all of those gifts, including compassion, um, engaged and working and not caring about money or all those other things. Um, it was, it's just kind of a raw beauty. But and I will um, say that I've met Marcia several times. I can, I, I can attest to that. You are being very honest. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you feel it in your spirit right away. Yeah, so some of these three things, it's just things that we've learned. And um, the one is true compassion, we'd said this early, needs to make um, other people's suffering your own. Not as a martyr. I mean, we would love to be able to take somebody's suffering so that theirs was completely gone. Compassion is just really making sure that you understand that you're going to move into a time of suffering with them. If we're talking like the Dalai Lama, to be in that moment where their suffering affects you um, to the point to where you want to help where you can, but just being there. Um, so just being prepared to move into that. Um, compassion will always prompt itself um, and it will wait on a response. So that gift of compassion is always going to get prompted when it's needed, but it will wait on your response. The other one is um, when it sees the wounded, it accompanies them towards healing. It doesn't sit in the hole with them. There's a purpose mm. to the compassion. So you come down and you want to be with them in that foxhole, but then the purpose is to move towards healing. Um, and to be honest, because you feel so deeply for them, the healing that they feel, you will feel. And it's amazing when that kind of stuff happens because it's like I, I learned something and I gained an experience from something I've never really even been a part of. But because I wanted to walk next to somebody, I learned their lessons as well. But then some of the the knots uh, or, you know, it's it doesn't persuade and it's not contingent. It's not a relationship we move into um, with this fixed outcome that, uh, that we've established. Um, I mean, we can walk with people and, um, but true compassion is, is in it. Um, it sticks close. And like I say, it might be a season or it could be a long time. Um, we don't control how our gifts get used that way. Um, and then with that, it's also not temporal. Um, there could be times when we're walking with somebody and then somebody else comes into their life and it feels like that's the right time to transition. And, uh, you know, let me also say a lot of these use of compassion isn't a long journey. Um, but sometimes we get called into that when we say it's not temporal, you could be called into that. It's just the, the reality is people are attracted to kindness and that opens up just a door. Um, and because we have compassion, we can look into and we can see, um, you know, pretty much if people are hurting or not, um, it could be very, um, useful in a moment. When I was with my company, um, we were looking for a, a producer. And so we had some people coming in to interview and this, uh, young guy, uh, sharp guy making a good impression, sat down and, uh, at my desk and started just sharing a little bit about himself. We asked a few of the, uh, opening questions and he was sharing and he just, he was looking at me and when he got done talking, um, this wasn't necessarily God saying it to me, but I just looked at him and I just said, would you like to cry? <laughs> and he bawled. He just, he, he just let loose and it was his wife, you know, he has a kid and he needs a job and his wife is making demands and he's just feeling stress of being a dad. And, um, it was just, it's amazing that just to ask one question, 
Yeah, that's well, you know, it's it's getting away from this notion that it has to be grandiose and big and sexy in order in order for it to be real. When when it's oftentimes it's just an instant, just just a fleeting moment with a stranger. Mm. The last one you said to me was true compassion is not armed with opinions or remedies. Mm. And, and I, and I wanted to bring our conversation to, to wrap up with that notion because I think it is so needed right now. And, and with everything going on in the, in the world that we think, and, and me especially, I'll talk from a, pl- from a place of that is just, compassionate we always think we have the answers or we have the solutions and and compassion is it's it's almost so opposite of that right because Mm -hmm. compassion means you need to let go of all your 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 answers and your solutions because those will take you those are the future those are the outcomes those are your expectations and you miss the opportunity to be with that person right on I wanted to ask you one question that was kind of that that was looming when we when we decided we were going to do this interview together was with 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 the population that you engage with say say just somebody who has a mental disability could could you share with us one small piece of uh, advice or a step that that somebody such as myself could could engage to have more compassion on somebody who I might perceive as being maybe different than than me. You know, that's it's a difficult people when you see somebody with a, a physical or mental disability. They're obviously acting much different than the rest of the rest of the room, um, and sometimes that can just be uncomfortable to look at, and you just don't know what to do with it. Um, which in itself is is okay as long as judgment doesn't step in. Um, but there's a reality here that, um, you know, we're all going to need help sooner or later, Mm. you know, um, we can only be islands for so long. And and so I think if, and here again, learning to live a little slower, um, and see things maybe just a little richer that, um, maybe we can see ourselves in those needs how do we get in touch with you? And, and, and also for those who are out there who are wondering how can they, they can, how can they support you or, or what bluntly are some things that, that your organization might need yeah. that, that we could do if, 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 if you don't live in the West Michigan area. Yeah, no. Um, well, it's Bethesda farm and our website is Bethesda farm, uh, org. Um, and, uh, and that's B E T H E S D A. Yep. And farm F A R M no S just farm.org. Okay. Just the upkeep of this place. And as we, we were talking about Shar, um, we also know her as the farm fairy. She just comes over and she does so much here and she's, uh, she's just wonderful. Want to talk about compassion. Let's call oh, Shar. My <laughs> word. That woman, she'll, she'll give, give you anything. Um, but, uh, volunteers. We really could use some volunteers that would work with our our guests. Uh, like I say, with Shar and a lot of the other groups that come out, the grounds are taken care of. But um, and we're looking for a, a commitment, not a not big ones, unless you want to share it. You feel like that's what uh, you're being called to do. But um, just to be able to come in and work some one on one with our uh, our guests, um, maybe some uh, going out on some of the uh, outings. We go to the Coney restaurant and do some prep cook stuff and go to a ripple effect, which is a goodwill type store. 
Um, so it's joining us in on those things. Um, but what we're looking for is it would be nine to noon or noon to three, uh, Monday through Thursday, even if it's just one day, if it's like Monday morning from nine till noon, uh, just on Mondays, that would be great. Financial, we always have our financial needs, but, uh, and also some prayer, you know, uh, we are actually at capacity for our day program. Uh, we have a, a waiting list with a couple of people on it and, uh, we're looking to expand in a couple of different ways. Well, uh, John, thank you. I, I thoroughly appreciate this. And obviously I wish Marsha was here so we yeah. could give kudos to yeah. her for starting this entire venture and bringing us together and, and Char as well. And so, um, yes, folks, please, if, if you get the opportunity, BethesdaFarm.org. And, and, and John, thanks again for, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate it. It's always good to have, spend some time with you.